this morning we are going to continue our message series, Dangerous Prayers. If you are sick and tired of living your life just safe and convenient, this message series is for you. If you are perfectly content living your life convenient and safe, this message series is also for you because God is ready for us to begin praying dangerous prayers. This week I caught myself praying some safe and convenient prayers. I I found myself saying, God, keep my kids safe. They were in spring break um, with their grandmother in North Carolina, and and I, I just prayed over and over, God, keep them safe, keep my mom, give her lots of patience, God. I just found myself like praying these sort of safe prayers. I found myself five minutes late to a meeting um, on the other side of town this weekend. I found myself praying, dear God, please let every single light be green. I do not have time to stop at at one single light. I'm late to my meeting. I found myself praying those prayers and those prayers are okay. Anybody else here pray those kinds of prayers? Sometime, God, keep me safe. God, make every single light green. God, please don't give me a pimple on the most important day of my life. God, please, please, please make my life safe and convenient and comfortable. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think God wants us to talk to God all the time. I think those are perfectly fine prayers to pray. But I think God is ready, I know God is ready, for us to take a a step into deeper faith with him and to begin praying dangerous prayers. So the first week we talked about praying this, this dangerous prayer, God, make me bold and courageous. God, I'm ready to be bold and courageous for you. I'm I'm tired of just sort of, you know, going along with the motions. Make me bold, God, and make me courageous. Last week, last week we prayed, prayed a dangerous prayer. God, I'm your servant. Speak, God, for I am listening. And many of you are like, what's safe about stopping and listening to God in a world filled with noise and keeping us busy. And there is a sense to which stopping and listening to God is dangerous. And when you say, speak, Lord, I'm your servant and I'm listening, God will speak. And what God may ask you to do will, be bold, will require you to be bold and courageous. Speak, Lord, I'm your servant and I'm listening. And today's prayer that I'm going to ask you to pray every single day this week. Go ahead, pull out your sheet, look at it. Every single day this week, I want you to pray this prayer. God, break my heart. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Dear God, break my heart for what breaks yours. I was eight years old when I remember praying this prayer for the first time. I was raised in a small town in the hills of North Carolina, Sandy Ridge, North Carolina. I was raised by a single mom. She played the piano every single Sunday and I sat on the second row of an old Baptist country church in the country of North Carolina in Sandy Ridge. I sat there every single Sunday, and this one Sunday, we had a missionary come and speak. He served in South America. It was the coolest thing. We didn't have people like this often at our church. He came to talk to us about his work, about how the offerings that we'd taken, the change that I had collected as a little girl, the extra change that I'd put aside, how that money, how those generous gifts were being used in bold and courageous ways for God to do good and amazing things in South America. And I remember him saying this. When he came to talk to us, we, we, the kids always sat in the service and he said, 
if you're a child, I want you to get up out of your seat and the stage was lower than this platform is and, and he had a sit right here in front of him so we could see everything. He brought some things with him. Do y'all remember, okay, this is going to date some of you. It's definitely going to date me. But there used to be, before there were like nice screens and projectors, there was this... Um, you'd get these little tiles and you'd put them in a projector and it, they had photos on them and you hit this thing and they go click, click, click and you'd see like a slideshow, come on, somebody here remembers this, right? Yes, you're my people. Um, all right, so he, he brought this little slide and was click, click, clicking through it and we could see it because we were sitting right there and we could see the like screen that he had set up and I remember just being absolutely amazed by this is, what, this is how he started what he was saying as, as us kids were sitting there on the floor looking at him. He said, I went there thinking God had asked me to be a missionary and share the love of Jesus with the people in South America. But when I got there, the people were hungry. They didn't know how to grow their crops. Drought would absolutely destroy their villages. I was looking at people who could not meet their basic needs and telling them about Jesus was important, but showing them the love of God was vitally important. I'll never forget him saying that. He said, I started to pray a prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And he said, pretty soon, I found myself researching all these agricultural methods that were more sustainable in drought or in famine times. So he set up this compost and all these like complicated irrigation systems that were inexpensive, but able to, to help sustain these people so that the children wouldn't go hungry. So that the moms didn't worry about how they were going to provide for their children. So the folks in this community could be healthy and fed and thriving. I remember him saying, I prayed for God to break my heart for what breaks his. Now we're having small group Bible studies and supporting each other with community and love and forgiveness like I've never seen before. I prayed for God to break my heart for what breaks his. And I found myself building this amazing community of people who are able to sustain and, and, and care for themselves. And it like still sends cold chills on me to tell you all that story. Because this is what happened at the end. He stretches his hands out over us kids that were sitting in a circle on the floor in front of him. And he, he said, everybody, will you pray with me? And everybody in this old country church bowed their heads and they prayed. And he said, God, from this group of children, I pray that you will call preachers and teachers and doers of your word. Amen. And I felt cold chills. I still feel them. My hand, my, I have them on my arms right now. I heard God say, I want you to be a teacher and a preacher and a doer of my word. I began praying this prayer as a little girl as eight, at eight years old. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I found myself in prison ministry with women who'd lost all hope and experienced all kinds of trauma. I found myself at night as a 23-year-old in my bed, on my knees, praying, God, continue to break my heart for what breaks yours. 
do something among these women in this prison that only you could do. And I watched God redeem and restore people and the victims of crimes. I watched God move in ways that I like never dreamed or imagined. I found myself in the inner city, the urban core of Nashville, Tennessee, working with women, single moms who lived in generational poverty and experienced trauma from that, who lived in public housing and were doing the best they could to survive day to day. I found myself praying this prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I watched my husband every afternoon coach a group of young men on a football field and watched him teach them practices that would help these guys in ways that I can't even tell you. I watched this group of women come together and study God's word and join in a small group and do amazing things for their children and for their families and for their community. The entire public housing community in East Nashville changed because of this group of moms. Look it up, Casey. It's called Casey Public Housing. Look it up. group of women did amazing things as they joined in this prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And now I find myself in this city, in Tampa, praying the same prayer as I run the sidewalks of this city early in the morning, as I drive my car to pick up my kids, as I eat in the restaurants you all eat in, God, break our hearts for what breaks yours and you are here this morning because I've prayed that prayer because Chris has prayed that prayer because Katie Glasser prayed this prayer years ago when we were moving here because Gretchen and Dave have prayed that prayer at at goody goody on Wednesday mornings because Chris Brewer has prayed this prayer since the first time he walked in the garden club when we met for worship because Naomi and Dan prayed this prayer as we sat in their house and shared with them about a church God wanted to bring up. God break our hearts for what breaks yours. A prominent lawyer couple in town runs the best free grocery store in the the whole state of Florida at the Gandy Civic Center because they joined in praying this prayer. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. And when you start praying this prayer, three things are going to happen. There's going to be purpose in your life. God's going to give you purpose. God's going to bless you in ways that you could have never imagined. There's going to be blessing, and there's going to be movement. There's going to be movement. I want us to look, if you've got your Bibles, turn to, turn to Jeremiah. For those of you who've been praying this prayer, God, speak for I'm your servant and I'm listening, and you're like, I know I need to be reading the Bible, but I don't know where to start. I'm going to tell you, if you didn't start reading the Bible last week, start this week. Start with Jeremiah chapter 1. Read this book of the Bible this week. Jeremiah is a prophet, and he's been called to lead and to care for this group of people called the Israelites who've been kicked out of their hometown. They're living in what's called exile. They had to exit, E-X-I-L-E-E-X-I-T. They, had to, they were kicked out of their, out of their town because they were doing some pretty terrible things, and they're living in Babylon. Imagine, right? We're seeing these images on the news right now as the people in Ukraine are living in Poland and other places right now. This is the pain and the heartache and the sorrow with which the people people that Jeremiah is called to lead, this is what they're living with. You've seen the pictures, you've seen the faces, you've seen the tears and the images of news. This is the people Jeremiah has been called to lead. And I want you to hear 
that God speaks to Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, I want you to hear what God speaks to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even formed in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as the prophet to the nations. This is God's word that still speaks today. I want you to hear this. Before I knew you, Katie, Megan, Chris, Dave, Coco, Ranger, Katie, before I formed you, say your name, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you ever pray this prayer, you have a purpose. God has set you apart. You have been appointed to preach good news and God's truth and love to the nations, to the people. You have been appointed and set apart. This is what God speaks over Jeremiah. And then Jeremiah, we spend chapters and chapters of God telling Jeremiah what to tell the people and how to care for them in the midst of Babylon. They are being faithless people. They have lost all faith and hope in God. They are like throwing everything they know to be true or good in their lives. They're just throwing it away left and right. They've decided this is not worth it. We're not doing this. And yet God has still asked Jeremiah to speak truth and love and goodness to the people. Continue to lead them, God. God says to Jeremiah, continue to lead these people, Jeremiah. And as he leads them and as he cares for them, things become really hard and really painful. He has to tell people things that he doesn't want to tell them. He has to do things he doesn't want to, want to do. He's mocked and yelled at and treated pretty terrible by the people. They want to kick him out themselves. They don't want him to be their leader anymore. But Jeremiah continues to stick to this purpose that God has given him. And as I read through this story of Jeremiah this week, as I read through this story, this is what God made abundantly clear to me and God will make abundantly clear to you. As you pray this prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. You have a purpose before you pray that prayer, but it will become abundantly clear after you pray that prayer. And that purpose may be uncomfortable, it may be inconvenient, and it may be painful, but it is better it is better to live in an, in, un, with an uncomfortable purpose. It is better to live uncomfortably in your purpose than it is to live without one. It is better to live uncomfortable in your purpose than to live without one. Write this down. Your purpose. It is better to live uncomfortable in your purpose. What it is God has set you apart for. It is better to live uncomfortably and painfully in that purpose than it is to live without one. I can't help but think of the Ukrainian president who was offered and continues to be offered a way out of that country. We, many countries have said, we will protect you, we will hide you in a bunker, we will take care of you. And yet, even with exhaustion and pain on his face, he stands up and continues to lead his people because he knows this truth. He knows this truth. It is better to live my purpose of leading the people of Ukraine than to be hidden in a bunker without a purpose. 
It is better to live my purpose uncomfortably and painfully than it is to live without one. That same church that prayed over me to become a preacher and a teacher and a doer of his word, they didn't, they didn't exactly support women leading in ministry. It has been an uncomfortable and painful and hard road sometimes to continue to lead people as a woman in ministry. And yet, every time I've had the chance to move beyond this purpose that I know God has set me apart for, I can promise you I would rather be uncomfortable in my purpose than to live without one. God is asking somebody in here to be uncomfortable in your purpose right now. You are like literally like twitching in your seat because God has asked you to be uncomfortable in what God has asked you to be. And it is better to be uncomfortable, maybe even experience pain and heartache. It is better to experience uncomfortable, be uncomfortable and inconvenienced in your purpose than it is to live without one. Pray this prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And even, even when your purpose even when your purpose is hard and inconvenient, it will still be worth living. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. In the hard and, and, hard and lonely days of Jeremiah living this out, I want you to listen to what God says to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you. Tells Jeremiah this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Things were hard. He'd spent 28, there are 28 chapters of how hard and painful it is for Jeremiah to live out his purpose. And God says, I still have plans for you. You have a future full of hope in front of you, Jeremiah. And that's what God is saying to you. You have a purpose. There are going to be days that it is hard and lonely and painful, but God knows you and loves you and sets you apart for, for what you have. As you pray, break my heart for what breaks yours. God is going to make your purpose abundantly clear. In living out, in living out this purpose, God will give you a blessing but there's going to be a breaking. We're going to turn back to Jeremiah chapter 8. Sorry, this story is so good. So it might feel like we're flipping a little bit in the Bible, but it is so good. Please take some time to read this this week. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 18, Jeremiah's heart is absolutely broken for his people. And I want you to listen to what it is. Jeremiah prays, Oh, my comforter in sorrow. God, you comfort me when the pain and the grief are too much. My heart is faint within me. It is literally broken. Jeremiah says, listen to the cry of my people. You, you made me a leader of them, God. Listen to their cry. They are living in a land far away, far away from their food, far away from their families, far away from everything they need. Listen to their cry, God. They're saying, is our God still in Zion? Is is the king no longer there? Do, do we even have a God? Where is he? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past, God. The summer has ended and we're still not saved, the people cried. My people are crushed and I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm 
in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wound of my people? Anybody here feel like you could pray that over your family, over somebody you love, over a friend, over a country, over our world today? God, listen to the cry of your people. They are hopeless and desperate. They are hungry and hurting. They are sick and addicted. God, why is there no balm and no healing? There is a breaking when we pray this prayer. When we ask God to break our hearts, there is this moment where we break open. Where we break open to the pain and the heartache and the trauma. Ask those of us who sit with kids and lunch buddies, none of whom live with their immediate family, all of whom live with extended family. We know our hearts, we've left those lunches being brokenhearted. Ask those of us who feed people who have no idea where their next meal is coming from, who fill a box up with groceries that we've collected all week. Ask us about our broken hearts. Ask us about the people who are walking with folks who are in recovery ministry right now, who feel alone and like failures in life. We know what it, it feels like to feel broken. Before there's a blessing, there's a breaking. Jeremiah absolutely breaks open before God. We can't go on like this anymore, God. I think of the civil rights movement in our own country when Martin Luther King prayed that and led people in a movement that said that out loud. God, we can't go on like this anymore. I think of the people in our own streets crying this out right now, people who don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. God, we can't go on like this anymore. I think of those of us in this room who are praying that before God. We've tried everything to make our lives work, God, and it's not working. We are broken, God. Here we are before you, broken, open. We need you. Before a blessing there is a breaking, a breaking open to the pain and the grief that is present in our world and in our lives. Before the blessing, there is a breaking. Jeremiah was on his knees before God praying, God, hear the cry of my people. God, hear my cry. God, hear the cry of my lunch buddy. Hear the cry of the people who get food at the Gandhi Civic Center. Hear the cry of the woman in my small group who's grieving and hurting. Hear the cry of my coworker. Hear the cry of my people, God. There's a breaking before the blessing. But I need you to know something. With God, there is always a blessing. There's always a blessing. There's some opening up of a blessing. Before a blessing, there's often a breaking, but the blessing comes. If you will turn with me to Jeremiah chapter, 20, uh, chapter 30, verse 18 through 22. After Jeremiah prays this prayer, this is what the Lord says, I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents. Basically, I'm going to restore Israel. I'm going to restore what it is you want, and I'm going to have compassion on his dwellings. The city will be rebuilt on her ruins. It'll be rebuilt and restored. And the peace and the palace, sorry, the palace will stand in its proper place. Things are going to come back 
to normal. They're not going to be exactly like they were before, but things will feel more normal. From the people will come songs of thanksgiving and the sound of rejoicing. There's going to be a day when your mourning turns into dancing, where your weeping turns into singing. I'm going to add to your numbers. Let's start praying these prayers right now. There's going to be a day where the number of people in this place is doubled, where the number of people in your small group who've experienced hurt and pain, the number of people who've experienced healing will be doubled and tripled and quadrupled. I will add to your numbers and they will not, they will not be decreased. I will bring honor and you will not be disdained. Their children will be as in days of old and their community will be established before me. I will punish all who oppress them or try to destroy them. Their leader will be one of their own. Their ruler will arise from among them. I will bring him near and he will come close to me. For who he is will devote himself to be close to me, declares the Lord. Listen to this. You will be my people and I will be your God. There will be a blessing because I want you to hear this, there's always movement when we pray this prayer. Break my heart for what breaks yours. God always moves. God actually listens to our prayers. He's not some puppet up there like already had everything planned out forever in the world. That's not how God works. God sees you and loves you. He sees your pain and your broken heart and he hears you come before him with it and God's heart is moved. That doesn't mean that God's a genie in a bottle and it's going to magically poof turn out just the way you say. That's not how our God works. But God's heart is moved for the goodness of his people and God's dream and knowledge and wisdom for us is greater than our own. When we seek God's heart with this prayer, God's, we can move the heart of God. He will see us with compassion and love in our hearts. We can move the heart of God with our prayer. But I want you to hear, the people were living out in exile, and what did God say? What, what was God going to restore? The city of Israel. They were going to move from where they were back to the place where they had come from. It's going to be new and different, but the people will move. So not only can you move God's heart, but when you start praying this prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, God will move you from where you are to a new and better place. So if you're going to pray this prayer, if you are sick and tired of being stuck, if you are ready for movement in your life, start praying this prayer. God, break my heart for what breaks yours because he moved the people of Israel from where they were to a new place. If you are ready to be out of the suffering and the pain and the heartache where you are, ask, ask God to heal you and make you new, to do something new. And God will move you from where you are to a new place. I watched God do this this week. Someone texted me on Monday and said, can you pray with me? Can you please pray? Can you please pray? And I said, we're on our knees. Chris and I are on our knees praying for you right now. And on Friday, I got a text message that said, I don't know why in the world, like, I asked you for prayer. I just felt like that's what I had to do. And on Friday, I got a, I got a text message that said, God answered my prayer and God moved in ways I could have never dreamed or imagined. It wasn't exactly like I wanted or like I had planned. A person in this church who's here today prayed this, asked us to pray with him. And God moved God moved him from where he was to a new place. God was moved. God's heart was moved. And God intervened in ways that we can't even dream or imagine. In Jeremiah chapter 
29, verse 7, this is what God tells Jeremiah. He says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. It takes bold and courageous people to pray this prayer. Break my heart for what breaks yours. It takes bold and courageous people to pray that prayer. Pray it this week. Because as the people and the things that break your heart start to open up and move God's heart, you will be moved. You will also be moved. And you will prosper. Our city will prosper. Things will be different if we will pray this prayer together. Some of you this morning are like, I have lived a life without Jesus over here for way too long. And I just want to let you know that we've been praying for you for a long time. We're ready for you to move from a place of being stuck and just going through the motions or not even knowing what motions with Jesus looks like. We've been praying for you to move from that place to a life of following Jesus. Some of you have have followed Jesus for a while and you've just gotten stuck. We're praying for you right now to move from the place of convenience and safety and comfort with Jesus. And we're asking you, we, we believe God is asking you to follow Jesus on this adventure. If you are ready for that this morning, Chris will be at the back. I'll be at the front. Let us pray with you. It is time for you to let God move you to a new place as God's heart is moved for you. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Will you pray with me? God, there are so many of us here with broken hearts, with grief and pain that we brought with us this morning. And we thank you that that breaks your heart too. There are those of us who've seen people hurting and sad this week, God. We've seen images on the news. We see the faces of the people on the streets. God, we just ask you to keep breaking our hearts for what breaks yours. Make your purpose clear in our lives. Break us open that your blessing may bless us and those around us. And God, move us from the place we are to the place you want us to be. Use us, God, to shine your light and ignite your change. Amen. Amen.